Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. The Lord spoke that through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. It's an amazing promise that I cling to and that propels me in my life. And it is the focus of this podcast, the Gaining Strength podcast. Welcome to our podcast today. And we pray that you will find strength in the midst of what you hear this day. God bless you. Now, tonight, let's go to Exodus 33, briefly. 13. I probably shouldn't just jump right into the main scripture there. Let me, let me just summarize what's been happening. Um, in 30, well, in 32, there was a terrible time in the history of Israel where they had the golden calf, and Moses was up on the mountain with God, and, and they're falling into idolatry and sin so quickly, and poor leadership on the part of Aaron in the midst of that, and Moses comes down the mountain, and, um, and, and God pretty much is saying, I can't go with you on your journey because I'm likely to destroy everybody. Moses, you know, Moses is used to setting up a tent away from the people, away from their fleshliness, and he meets God in the tent of meeting, and it's, it's a precious time. In fact, all of Israel comes out of their tent when he goes into the tent of meeting. The cloud comes down. The Spirit of God comes down and meets with Moses right there in that tent. And the people, are, the people worship God from a distance when they see that. They're, they're in awe and in honor of, of that happening. But, but Moses is saying, let's go back to um, verse 12 in chapter 33. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring, this peop- bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me, because God saying, was saying, I'm going to send an angel with you, so I don't destroy your people. But Moses really shares his heart with God here. And he says, Moreover, you have said to me, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight... Let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Let me know your ways. He's asking for revelation. Moses is asking God, show me how you think. Show me how you work. Show me how you operate, so I can line my life up with you. That needs to be our prayer. That needs to be the the way we stay. In fact, I think it was in the 90s, there was a song, and the song was based on that scripture. Show me your ways. Anybody remember it? Show us your ways, God, so that we may find favor in your sight. And then he goes on, and he says, Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And then God, God interrupts him in verse 14 and says, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you. And if you have received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, his presence is with you, whether you feel it or not. His presence is with you. He promised never forsake you. And there's times in your life, in your moment of your days, in in your struggles, when when the car breaks down and your husband's in the hospital and all those kinds of things Charnel's been walking through, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves, he's right here. He's right here. Cheryl, he's right here. He's right here in this house. And he's right here with us. And I can promise you, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't care if you're Aaron's age or how old you are, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to to sense his presence in a much, much greater dimension. And he's going to give you gifts, and he's going to give you revelation, he's going to give you purpose, and he's going to give you the ability to love him more personally than you may ever have before. I can testify to that, and that's what happened in my life. But that, that story's probably for another day. So Moses asks, show me your ways. And we talked about this verse last week. 
in Psalm 103, verse 7, it's written and it says, Thank you, Pastor Bill. Say it aloud. Exactly. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. There's such a difference. Knowing God's ways and how he works, how he thinks, is much more intimate. And when God reveals that to you, it transforms your life. It's like that time I, I mentioned before when I received mercy, and, it, and I shouldn't have received mercy. In my mind, I shouldn't have received mercy. I should have received a big, long lecture, maybe some sort of punishment or something. I don't know. But I got mercy instead. And my whole life was changed. It was, like, it was like I had never, ever received mercy like that before. And it empowered me to have mercy for other people. And it empowered me to recognize and see the love of God in a whole different dimension. When you begin to see God's ways, it transforms your whole inner being. And it makes you like him. It's like that scripture that says, you know, we don't know yet what will become, but when we see him, we'll be like him. Meaning when he reveals himself to you, then all of a sudden you're like, I want to be just like you. And you let him do that in you. Let's go to Hebrews eleven twenty four to 29. And I should have mentioned that Psalm 103, verse 7 also. If all you get to see are his acts... That's like performance on the outside compared to his ways, which changes you on the inside. Okay, Hebrews 11, 24, mentions Moses. I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 24 to 29. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, meaning he could have stayed in the palace where he was brought up, but he chose to go to his people. Verse 26, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king or Pharaoh, for he endured. And it says, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Seeing him who is unseen. That means he discerned him. It was, it was something going on inside. He discerned him who was unseen. He, dis, he was able to, even though he may not have been able to call him Christ or call him Jesus, but he called him Lord. He called him God and he recognized who he was who it was that was calling him to do what he did. And that revelation, that discernment of who he is, enabled him to, to, to leave behind, leave behind the palace, leave behind the old life, and go to a place that would be hardship and struggle, but to walk in what, he was, what his purpose was. His purpose to, to lead Israel, his purpose to be a redeemer, a deliverer. That, that phrase, seeing him, it's a, it's a perceiving, it's a discerning, it's a, well, the Hebrew word has actually become like an, like an idiomatic expression, an, an idiom, where it's not just something with your eyes, it's experiencing him. That's what, that's what that word really means. And so Moses experienced him. Even though he couldn't see him with his eyes, he experienced in him in such a depth. I mean, it was so, such a depth that his face glowed. He had to put a veil over his face. And so Moses was able to walk in his purpose because he discerned him in his heart, who God is who God was, and, and we have to do that. And it, and it begins with that pursuit of him, that hunger. Show me your ways. Show me what you're like. I have to know you. And the measure of pursuit, that measure of effort, that measure of seeking day by day, heart, heart to heart, it, it, it not 
only prepares you to receive revelation, but it starts to, to cause a burning in your heart. A burning in your heart that, that burns up the things that don't belong and purifying the things in your heart that do belong, that God intended for you to have there in the first place. Let's talk about Paul now. Before I talk about Paul, just let me remind you, the revelation, the experiencing the perception of God on the inside and what God was revealing to him empowered him to his purpose and through his purpose. Now let's talk about Paul. Paul, as you know, and Paul describes himself as the Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he grew up in, in Judaism. He uh, sat under a famous uh, Pharisee called Gamaliel. And he had, well, back in the days of Jesus in the New Testament times, children were, were sent to synagogue school. Boys were sent to synagogue school about, what, age five or six. And they were, they were taught, I think, until about age 10 or 11. And they were supposed to memorize the Torah and and as, as people were successful in doing that, then they got to go to a higher level, a higher level, and, and uh, it, eventually they got a chance to, to possibly be chosen by a rabbi. So if, if Paul sat under Gamaliel, it's probably because Gamaliel chose him. And Gamaliel would have chosen him because he saw potential in him to reproduce himself in Paul. And so when Paul says, I was... I was growing in Judaism, growing, and, and the zeal that I had for the traditions of, the, of the, my fathers, it, you know, Paul was a super intelligent. He was able to uh, receive and memorize. He was able to pattern himself after the scribes and rabbis and learn what he needed to learn and was progressing beyond everybody else. So he had a lot to be proud of, so to speak, in, in his development within Judaism. But let's go to Galatians chapter 1. Talking about revelation here. In, in the letter of, of Paul to the Galatians, he's actually in the overall scope of things. He's, he's trying to bring correction and help to these people because some people had entered in and were trying to tell the, the Jews or tell the, the Gentiles who had become Christians that they had to be circumcised and trying to, you know, get them to worry more about what was happening with their flesh than what was actually happening in their spirit. And so the whole letter of Galatians is... is it's a big idea, but I want to focus in on what Paul's saying here in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11, and what's connected to Revelation, okay? So Galatians 1.11, and I'm going to read down through probably into chapter 2. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. So Paul was very learned in the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. He wouldn't have advanced to the level that he was if he didn't know the scriptures or the Jewish scriptures up to those point, up to that point. And what he saw of Christians and what he knew of, of this Jesus, you know, he, he thought they were a perverted offshoot and that they ought to be destroyed because of, you know, they were, had forsaken, they were Jews that had forsaken the way that he had been raised and what he had taught. And so he thought he's serving God by persecuting them. Verse 14, and, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb had, and called me through his grace, was pleased, verse, here's important point, was pleased to reveal his son in me, in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. 
Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed there with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. Chapter 2. Then after an interval of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of uh, revelation that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might have been running or had run in vain. And so Paul mentions at least twice about revelation, well, three times. In verse 12, he's, he's telling the people of Galatia, the gospel that I'm preaching, I didn't learn it from the apostles. I didn't become a Christian because of, of some other man. He's saying, I became a Christian because of Jesus revealing himself to me personally. And then he goes on to to emphasize that in 16. And my heart just grabs hold of verse 16, a a portion of that, of 15. For God called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Can I say to you, God wants to reveal his son in you too. In you. In you. And when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he comes in. He comes inside. And when you notice the before and the after of your whole life, I hope it's as clear as it was in me. Because night and day... What I didn't know, and then receiving him, what was opened up to me, and has continued to open up in my life, and it should be the same in your life. Once he comes in you, he wants to spend the rest of your life here on earth revealing himself to you, inside of you, and it transforms you. And it's, he is making you like him as you partner with him as you pursue his ways, as you pursue that revelation. And it it is so much bigger and more powerful if you'll seek it and cooperate with it. If you don't seek it, your development will be extremely slow. And and it it almost appears like you're dragging your feet. (laughs) But he's looking for you to be hungering and thirsting after him and seeking after revelation. Revelation of Jesus Christ inside of you. And so God revealed Jesus in him. And, and, and it reveals to us through this, this portion that, that Paul, well, we know the stories. We know that um, probably everybody here knows that Paul was on his way to Damascus Acts chapter 9 tells a story, and it's retold a couple of times in the book of Acts as he testifies in other locations. But he's, he's on his way to persecute people in Damascus of Syria. And the Lord, a bright light appears to him. Some people say he got knocked off his donkey, but we don't necessarily see a donkey in the scriptures. But he was, uh, you know, overwhelmed, overcome. In fact, everyone was, that was with him was overwhelmed by the light, but they didn't hear the voice. Paul heard the voice. And so the Lord spoke to him, and the Lord, and he was actually blind for a few days because of the brightness of the light. That, and that brightness of that light and that voice and that, that encounter he had with Jesus arrested him. He went to arrest people, but he got arrested by God. And he was held in this place And Paul says he fasted. He didn't eat after what happened to him. It was too much for him. And and he has this encounter with the Lord where Jesus Christ is revealed in him. He says, I am the Lord. I'm the one you're persecuting. You think you're persecuting people, but you're persecuting me. 
And, and, and Paul immediately after Ananias prays for him, something like scales fall off his eyes, and he has, he's, he's, the first face he sees is Ananias. And he and Ananias have a beautiful exchange, and there's a prophecy given about his life. And, and Paul immediately starts preaching. The scripture tells us he immediately starts preaching that this one is the Son of God. But Paul also tells us in Galatia that he separates himself for a period of time. We don't know. We, there aren't any details that tells us how long he was in Arabia. Arabia is desert. And if you look on the map, Syria is here. And then just a little bit east of, or, yeah, east of Syria is, I mean, it's the kind of desert where he just dunes and dunes and dunes and dunes and that's all you see of, of sand. And Paul spends time in Arabia, and perhaps we assume that he had encounters with the Lord there, that he sought the Lord, and the Lord taught him. The Holy Spirit taught him. This word revelation, you know, we, we understand what it is. In fact, you know, if you speak Spanish, they don't call the book of Revelation Revelación, that's how you pronounce Revelation in Spanish. They don't call the book of Revelation that. They call that book Apocalypsis. Does that sound familiar to you? Apocalypse? You mention Apocalypse to anybody on the street today and they think it means massive destruction. That, that original word, Apocalypsis, simply means to take the cover off. And we talked about how God doesn't hide things from you. He hides them for you so that you'll come after him. And as you come after him, he takes the cover off and he reveals more and more and more as long as you continue to pursue him. You know, I had an experience myself with the Lord one time and, and I don't know how to describe it except that sometimes God enters into your imagination and shows you things. And... You know, your imagination actually is supposed to be a holy place where the Lord and you work together to create amazing things, wonderful things. But what I saw was, have you, have you ever, you know, you see a really nice curtains hanging from a window and there's folds and folds and folds of, of cloth, right? Well, in this experience I was having with the Lord, there were folds and folds and folds of cloth right in front of my face. In fact, I could feel against my skin the folds of cloth. And, and it was what I understood in this revelation I was experiencing is that I was right in front of the robe of the Lord. And these folds and folds were his robe. And in my experience, I was searching through the folds of his robe. And every time I searched through another fold, I was discovering something more of wonderful of him, the manifest the manifestation of God. And what the Lord spoke to me in that moment was that there's enough of me to discover that if every person on the face of the earth that has ever lived and ever will live searches for me, they will never come to the end of it. And why he was showing me that was to, to inspire me to seek and keep seeking that there's more and more wonders and beauty and glory to discover of him. Revelation that he wants to give you. Revelation right in front of your face. I think that's why he put the folds right next to my, right next to my face. Revelation is an uncovering. And, and some of us, you might want to put a definition on it and say it's a divine experience that releases supernatural knowledge in your spirit that you wouldn't have known any other way. Um... A supernatural disclosure. Some of you might call it a supernatural dispensation, but I kind of don't like to use that word. But a divine deposit. How's that? I, I've got this little, uh, it's a memory card that we use to record the audio here, and, and I take this home every Saturday night, and I put it in my laptop, and the information that's on here goes into my laptop, and I can bring it up, and I can see it. This is like a revelation, God takes a little thing and puts it inside of you. You know, I was um, back, back at Eagle's Nest many years ago. Uh, Jim Anderson had asked me to start working with the youth. And one time I was, had gone to youth group 
and I was supporting him and what he was doing, and he introduced me to somebody. And I had, just like somebody put a coin in my slot in my heart, you know, how you put a, used to put a coin in the vending machines and clunk, they went in. Just like that, I had this package of love go inside of my heart to this one child that he introduced me to. I ended up, not, you know, I never knew her before, but I had this love for her that was unexplainable that God just deposited inside of me, just like that. I still remember exactly where I was and seeing her face. I ended up doing missions with her. She ended up being uh, an administrator for Master's Commission, and I was teaching with her. We have, have mixed together in ministry a lot since she was 14 at that moment when I met her. And, and so God had a purpose. God put something inside of me from him supernaturally for my purpose combined with her. So Paul was saved through revelation. Paul was taught through revelation. And he was led by revelation. And there are several encounters. We, we talked about his conversion in Acts 9. And if you want to jot down scriptures, I'm going to read a list of scriptures rather than read all the references. But Acts 9 was his conversion where he had the revelation of Jesus Christ and that experience where the Lord spoke to him. Acts 22, verses 17 to 22, Paul receives revelation that he's supposed to go to the Gentiles. Acts 16, verse 9, Paul has a dream. Someone from Macedonia was calling, and so we call that the Macedonian call. That was a divine experience in a night vision. Paul receives understanding and revelations from God, and that, so much so that he couldn't even explain it all. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, Paul experiences the third heaven. And I'm sure received amazing, amazing revelations while he was there. Galatians 1, well, this is what we're reading. Galatians 1, 10 through 18, where God revealed Christ in him. In various occasions, Paul received encouragement supernaturally. In Acts 18, verse 9, he's experienced persecution And the Lord gives him encouragement. Acts 23, verse 11, he's also experiencing persecution. And the Lord comes and gives him encouragement. An angel comes at one point to deliver thing, the words to him. In Acts 27, verse 23 to 24, he's, he's in this storm in a ship. And they're, they're going to lose the ship. But yet, you know, the Lord promises him in, in the midst of that that everyone on the ship's going to be saved, and he gives them direction, he gives them understanding, he gives them encouragement. And so through his life, he received revelation from the Lord as he's going about his purpose and experiencing the highs and lows, the difficulties, and the Lord helps him by supernaturally revealing things to him. Dreams, visions, prophetic words, all kinds of things like that happening to Paul. And the Lord wants to do that for us too. We've, we've mentioned this before. Was Paul God's favorite? Was John the Beloved God's, Jesus' favorite? The scriptures tell us God's not partial. God doesn't have favorites. He does give favor, and we've been learning. Our pastors have been teaching us what causes us to have favor with God. Our obedience, our faith, causes us to, to gain favor. But I'm telling you, anybody can be as close to, to God as they want to be. It's our pursuit. The, the fervor of it or the lack thereof that determines how much we receive. And so if you're sitting there and you're feeling sorry for yourself because God's not shown me much, Please don't take this as condemnation. Let it be inspiration to you that he wants to reveal something to you. He wants to, put, to reveal himself and put himself in you, reveal himself in you as he did for Paul. I, I want to give a little bit of a caution, though, as we talk about some of these supernatural experiences, open visions, closed visions. I'm not going to go into all of that stuff. 
We have to have the Spirit of God speaking to us, revealing things to us, but we also have to have this. I, I heard a quote recently, and it said, I forget who said this, I'm sorry. Thus saith the Lord needs to always be measured against it is written. And so what, what that is saying is, these spiritual experiences, visions, dreams, prophetic words, a word, you know, a word I could give you or anybody could give to you, it needs to be measured against this. Because this is the written record of the revelation of God, and this has been given to us as, as the straight edge to compare everything else to, as the foundation to judge everything by. And so, you, I mean, what I'm talking about is Muhammad had visions, but they don't line up with Scripture. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, had visions, but they didn't line up with this. And so this has to be our tool for discerning, was that God or was that the pizza I had last night? So just a, a word of caution there. We have to have spirit and truth. We have to have grace and truth. We have to have the word and the spirit. You know, what did Jesus say? We worship him in spirit and truth. We have to have both. So you can come against, I mean, you can run up against or run into people that have spiritual experiences, but you need to take it to the scripture and see if it's backed up there as to whether you receive it or not. And, 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 and while we're talking about that, there's something called an inward witness. It's, it's like your conscience on the inside of you, and you have to judge by that. We're commanded to judge prophecy. And so we have the inward witness, we have the written word, we also have wise people in our lives that you can go to that are gifted in the word, they've been long time experienced with Jesus and walking with him, and we can take stuff to them and, and present it to them and say, hey, somebody said this to me, or I had this experience, what do you think about that? You know, those, those are three things that can help us when we're, when we're walking this walk that we're sometimes not experienced with. Okay, enough about the caution. Uh, I want to look at Luke 24. In this portion about uh, the two that were walking the road to Emmaus, now in, this is in the context of the crucifixion has happened, and actually this is the day that the resurrection happened, that this is taking place, starting in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Verse 16 says, but their eyes were, yeah, mine says their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So they didn't know it was Jesus. So there was a covering there, temporarily. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're talking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word and in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. And also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early that morning, early the morning, they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, this is Jesus saying, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Where it, it's not, he's not saying, you stupid people. He's not saying that. That foolish word is, doesn't mean stupid. It, it, it means they, that their minds were not exercised 
to believing. They were not, you know, it says, oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe. It means that their ability to believe was a little dull. Their ability to practice and exercise faith was dull. I think the Lord might say that to us a bit, a bit too. That I think that might be true about us sometimes. O foolish men and slow of heart, meaning dull, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. I, I want to pause here for a moment. We are at a point we know. <laughs> we know. Don't, do we not know that we're in the last days and perhaps the last of the last days and all the things that are happening, the current events that are happening around us, they're coming to a point. And hey, if it's been written in Scripture, Jesus is saying, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he, what, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all scriptures. There's things in the here that are also telling us about these days we're experiencing and the days we're coming into, the things that we can expect. We're the people of God. Things ought not to surprise us. And so I believe we need to set our heart to fast and pray and seek revelation so that Jesus, by the Spirit of God, can help explain the scriptures to us as well about how we're to live now and how we're to prepare for what's coming, how we're to stand strong and be in faith from here until the time he, either our bodies expire from being worn out or he calls us up. And we have to seek him for this revelation. Verse 27, then be, I said that, okay. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther, but they urged him, saying, he acted as if he was going to pass. Remember, you need to seek. You need to hunger. You need to be like them and say, don't leave, stay with us. They were hungering for more of what he had to say. They urged him, saying, stay with us. For it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them, appreciating their hospitality. Hospitality is another thing that the Lord loves to use. So he went in to stay with them, and when he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and in breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then, verse 31, what's it say? Then their eyes were opened, and the Lord took the cover off. And they realized... This was Jesus. Jesus was just preaching his own scriptures about his life to us. And Jesus has risen from the dead. This is Jesus who we were just so sad about him being crucified. This is Jesus. And he disappeared and vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? How we need to burn! And if we're not burning, we need to pursue him and ask him to set us on fire. We need this. And they, they had just walked seven miles to get to this place. And they, in the urgency of what they just experienced, they got up that very hour and returned seven miles back to Jerusalem. They found together the eleven and those who were with them saying, The Lord is really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. And I want to skip over to verse 44 because Jesus now appears to his disciples and he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you and all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was written in the Old Testament do you not think that everything that's written about these days and the last days, everything is going to be fulfilled? Everything. And we may not yet understand it, but we can seek him for it and get help for how we're supposed to live in these days. We need revelation from heaven. Everything written in the scriptures will be fulfilled, whether you or I understand it or not. It's going to happen. God keeps every word he has spoken every word everything that the prophets declared that's written in here 
is going to take place. Verse 49, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Right there in that portion, Jesus talks about the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, the Holy Scriptures, and he says, wait for the power of the Spirit, the promise of my Father to come. You need the Word, and you need the Spirit of God. Jesus is making that point plain to his disciples there, and he makes it plain to us. We have to have the Spirit and the Scriptures. I want to close with Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 15. Before, before I get into that, can we know what revelation Paul received? You know, what happened in his revelations? Can we, can we know and understand? You know, Paul must have had some amazing experiences with the Lord, whether they were on the road to Damascus or in the desert in Arabia or in the shipwreck or all along the various places of his life. Can we know what the Lord showed him? I was asking that question, and, and, and all of a sudden it hit me, and I felt, I felt dull, <laughs> dull of hearing like, like they just described. We can know what Paul experienced in his revelation because 13 letters and books in the New Testament give us the revelation. The things that Paul teaches us that we have is a priceless treasure of, of the revelations he received. The writings, the things, I mean, how many times have I read a portion of scripture and marveled over it? One of the things that, that really grasped me, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but, but this portion right here that Paul wrote more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rush, rubbish. He lost everything that he had gained through Judaism, but he counts all that as rubbish. It's meaningless to him, so that I may gain Christ, he says and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And verse 10, what, this is amazing. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul saw things in his experiences with the Lord and his revelation that enabled him to write this, enabled him to pray this. And he's telling us in Ephesians, he's giving us a model for things for us to pray for ourselves. I, I've, I've shared this before, but I was coming through a rough period in my life and, and the Lord made me to know that I was supposed to memorize the book of Ephesians. And I'd never memorized that much scripture in my life before, usually only one or two verses, but to memorize a whole book. And, 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 the, and the word was, I should try and memorize as much as possible. And, and I set myself to the work. And of course, the Lord told me to do it, so the Lord helped me do it. And, and he had me do that because I needed to know who I was. And that's pretty much what was told me. I didn't know who I was in Christ, and I needed to find out. And through Scripture and the Holy Spirit and wonderful pastors and teachers, I began to learn who I was in Christ, who I am in Christ. And the Lord told me, every time I got to a prayer that Paul prayed, the Lord said, pray that for yourself. Pray that for yourself. I'm telling you, pray this for yourself. Verse 15 of chapter 1. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do, and do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And here, here's his prayer. Verse 17 is his prayer. That God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of him. So I began to pray, and I still pray this. Father, grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grant me wisdom. Grant me revelation that I may know Jesus more and more. And verse 18 continues, And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. Father, grant me, open the eyes of my heart, Father, that I may know the hope that you have called me to. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And the Lord has spoken to me through this portion too. Show me, Lord, show me the glory of your riches that are in the inheritance in my brothers and sisters. Show me the valuable things that you've put in Amy. Show me the valuable things that you've put in Marv. Show me the treasures that are in Aaron and Erica and Colby. Show me. Because when I want to be able to inspire them, I want to be able to encourage them, I want to be able to call it out in them. I want to be able to lift them up and know what God has put inside of them. And he dealt with me about that verse too because there was a time in my life where I was jealous of other people's anointings. And the Lord corrected me and and he told me time and time again, and this word has applied to many things in my life, but he said, stop striving for what you already have. Stop striving for what you already have. Each of you, if you're in Christ, you have an anointing. But I don't need to be jealous. I need to celebrate what God has put in you. Because we're one body. What I have in me, what you have in you, it's the closest family there ever is. The most loving family, the body of Jesus Christ. And I celebrate and encourage and I want to inspire you to grow and blossom and bloom and flourish and give glory to Jesus by what he's put inside of you. And so, Father, show us, show us, Lord, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? And verse 19, this is the most awesome thing we need revelation about. Verse 19, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? That means to us the surpassing greatness of the power of God because you believe him. And we don't know enough of that. The surpassing, surpassing what? Surpassing greatness of his power toward you who believe, to you. There is more power than we have ever walked in available to us. Because we believe him. So Father, in these moments, Lord God, I pray for us, I pray for me. Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as we know Jesus. Open us up to wisdom, open us up to revelation, show us and teach us Jesus. Enlighten our hearts, all of us, God, so that we can know the hope that you've called us to and the riches and the glory of the inheritance of the saints and the power that you have for us, toward us, because we believe you, God. Strengthen us in this, God. And Lord, in all the things that we talked about last week and this week, Lord, I just want to ask, last week we talked about some things perhaps of prophecy that may have been spoken over your life or you know of somebody else's life that they've not walked in, or maybe you have not walked in yet. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you would breathe upon that word that came from you for every person in this place, or the person that they have on their heart, that they know a word from God came and was spoken, and it hasn't taken place yet. Father, last week we talked about the need for prayer Lord, give us courage to pray these things into existence. Give us courage, like David had, to ask for help. Lord, give us courage to mouth and to articulate the very words that you've put inside of us. And Father, tonight, if there's people in, the, in, this, in this room or in the sound of, of our voice, Lord God, 
that need these things. They need more revelation. They need more understanding. Lord, let that endowment come to them right now. Father, let the word from heaven come to them, the quickening from heaven, the inspiration from heaven come to them. And as we're, as we're bowed in prayer, if you know you have need in any of these things we just mentioned, just lift your hand to the Lord right now. Acknowledge that you need this and that you're asking. Holy Spirit, you see the hearts of your people. You hear the cry. Holy Spirit, give us courage to seek you, to hunger after you, and to put ourselves in that humble place where we're teachable and you can show us the things we need to see. Father, we commit this to you and we thank you that you are a rewarder of those who will seek you. You are a rewarder. Father, I thank you for giving divine experiences to your people. And Lord, I'm expecting to hear testimony of it. I'm expecting to see uh, your life explode inside of the hearts of your people. Lord, we bless you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this, this word and this work that you're doing inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Gaining Strength podcast today. It is my prayer that you have been encouraged and edified by this message. And may the Holy Spirit continue to strengthen you as he builds us up into the body of Christ. If you would like to share a prayer request or a concern, I can be reached at the following email address, gainingstrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Cheryl Truitt, your host for the Gaining Strength Podcast. And may you be strengthened as you walk in love, truth, and faith. Thank you.